All right, Joe, we're back. Good morning, Billy. Good morning. How you doing? It's a little early here in uh, Boston, but how you doing? I'm doing well. Um, it's been a it's been a good couple of days here in Boston. Oh uh, yeah, fantastic information, fantastic learning. Just excited to, to to bring that out to all of our folks. Oh yeah, so we're out in Boston doing the ACR workshop for advisory board. So uh, you know we get to talk with uh, a, a bunch of our people. And today, I'm super excited to talk with Kevin Joles from Lawrence Douglas, Kansas. Yeah, this is a this is an exciting story. This is kind of the first uh, recreation of what we had done in Rialto, and uh, so you know it's it's that duplication process that was the first time we really realized that that this was duplicatable. That it wasn't just something in the water in Rialto, but it was something we could duplicate in a completely different system. Well, let's get things started, huh? All right, let's do it. All right. Welcome to ACR Moonshot, the advanced cardiac resuscitation podcast, where we embrace a bold change in the way that we plan for and respond to sudden cardiac arrest in the pursuit of saving more lives. And now your host, Joe Powell and Billy Croft. All right, well, welcome back to Moonshot 2030. I am your host, Billy Croft, with my co-host, Joe Powell. How are you hey, doing, hey, Joe? hey, I'm doing good. Hey, man, who do we got with us today? We have uh, Kevin Joles from Lawrence Douglas Fire Rescue, the blah, blah, blah. Medical. What? Yeah, I don't know. He's got, he'll tell us. He'll tell uh, us. That's why uh, he's here. All right, well, that's good. We're going to talk about uh, his story. So, uh, good morning, Kevin. How are you? Good morning to both of you. It's Lawrence Douglas County Fire Medical, probably the longest <laughs> fire department and EMS agency title in America. Thank you. Thank you for that. That really right. flows off the lips very well. It does if you've said it nine million times. So <laughs> we just shorten it up and say LDCFM. LDCFM. Got it? LDCFM. Okay. Can you say Massachusetts? Yeah, Massachusetts. <laughs> I, it always feels weird when I say it. I don't know why. I don't. Like, feels weird how? I, it just, I feel like I'm saying it wrong. Inside. It feels weird. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, this is starting out terrible. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited to, to have you, Kevin. Um, you know, we've known each other for a while now, being part of ACR, the advisory board. Um, I just, uh, I really connected with you right away. Um, you know, we come from this same fabric, I guess. And uh, just super excited to, to talk to you today. So I know we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be great. You know, the, that's been the best part about ACR for me is just the group that we have. I think we're all cut from the same cloth, I think. I don't know exactly what, I don't know if that cloth has been laundered in a while, but <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's what makes this a little bit better for us every day, you know. Uh, that's why we got Amy, right? She can. That's right. She, yeah. she can do our laundry she, and, get our, <laughs> and our sandwiches. sandwiches yeah. I don't. I don't yeah. want it. That was not. Yeah. That was not me. That was not Joe Powell. I didn't say that. Right. Just kidding, Amy. Don't kill us. That's right. Don't you kill don't have us. To do our laundry. Just get the sandwich. Well, tell us about Kevin Joel's and about Lawrence Douglas. Yeah. So I've been in the fire service for about twenty six years. Um, I've been with LDCFM for just short of five. And I was fortunate enough to come from a, a fire department not too far away, so I was familiar, and and uh, so I was excited about going there. I was in a different role. I was actually uh, brought in to be the EMS chief, and so I was excited about being able to do some things that I was never able to do on my own in prior agencies. And so when I got there, 
one of the first things that, that we were able to do is meet with the medical director and sit down with the prior chief um, before me, and she had been retired for several months, so she came, she met us for lunch and kind of laid out the land and reminded me of who to talk to and who to be careful about and within the community and, and just, uh, you know, just set me straight. And so when I had a talk with our medical director, Caleb Trent, it was good because I'd never done what I was getting ready to do. And he was fairly new into the medical director game as well. Um, had only been doing it for a few years. He was a local, he's a, he is a local physician at our, med, at our uh, hospital. So we wanted to know a little bit more about each other. So we kind of tasked each other with, uh, what do you want to see different? What do you want to see going forward? What's, what's big on your mind? And gave each other a piece of paper and said, come back in two days and tell us what you wanted to do. And we met back in two days and we had very similar pieces of paper, two columns. My handwriting was a little bit better because he's a physician. <laughs> and, uh, but the very top thing was cardiac arrest survivability. And, and so we thought that that was pretty profound and, and uh, not that it shouldn't be, you know, the top thing, but it was just coincidental that we had the same, essentially the same looking list with the same top uh, item. So it's just weird that you both wrote that down. And why did you write that down? I think that, you know, it had been something that had been uh, done very well in the county that I had come from before. And we had shifted our training in the county for the entire county, about 900 individuals being trained by the same, um, at least under the same protocols, um, mostly by the same people. Um, we had a really good um, educational cadre within the county. And we taught it the same way, and we had um, scenarios that were given quarterly. And within those scenarios, there was always a cardiac arrest. Everybody knew that you were going to have a cardiac arrest. It was either going to be pediatric or adult. And although people knew that, and I hate to say complained, but they, they just knew it, right? So we're like, oh, we're going to do another cardiac arrest. <laughs> those four subtle knowing what was going to happen you know, events every single year made that county better, um, doing yeah. cardiac arrest scenarios at least four times a year. On top of the probably three or four hundred cardiac arrests they actually had a year, and so um, being able to to be very prepared um, made them very good at achieving ROSC, and, and their survivability was was okay. Um, and so I think it was just probably on our on our mind and something that was achievable. And I knew that you know the competitive drive in me was to to be as good, if not better, than the county that I'd left. And so it was just something that was on my mind. So how big is is the fire department. Can, can you give us a, a look at that? Our fire department? Yeah. Yeah, so we're uh, um, 153 members, sworn members. We cover the city of Lawrence, Kansas, which is um, houses, um, not houses, I guess, but contains two universities, University of Kansas and then Haskell Indian Nations um, University. So we've during the school year, we've got a lot more people. So we're about 120,000 people um, during the school year. Um, and then we provide medical for the entire county. So, How many stations? Uh, we're five five stations in the city and two within the county. And you do you transport also, right? Yep. Okay. And we do All everything right. in yeah non emergency and emergent transfers and transports. And roughly how many calls a year? Uh, just over fifteen thousand. Oh, well, that's that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And how many cardiac cardiac arrests you do? Well, when I started, we were down in the high fifties to 70s. It just kind of just depended over the first couple of years. Um, but with the pandemic, uh, we shot about 115% higher than we'd ever been. And we were around 126 or 127 over the last couple wow. of years. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then 
you know, prior to doing ACR, what did your survivability in ROSC look like? So something I'd never really been into the numbers. Um, I know that really shocks a lot of people. Like, well, he's not a numbers guy. Not really. Oh, my gosh. Couldn't have tell, couldn't have, it's math. Couldn't tell that. Uh, um, my daughter did most of my math problems for me <laughs> in the last 15 years. But um, so when I, when I got to Lawrence, when we started to have that conversation about survivability, I really didn't know anything about it. I mean, I was just like, I knew what the numbers were. And I knew what ROSC was. But I didn't really talk about survivability. Um, we just knew what our ROSC was. And each fire department knew what their ROSC was within the county, um, at the prior county. And so starting to do those numbers, um, we just decided to go back from two to 2015. I, I started in Lawrence in 2017 at the end, so we had a, almost you know 90% of the year of data. Um, so we looked at 2017, 16, and 15, and we just averaged that out. And our ROSC was about 36%. And our survivability was about 4%. Uh, yeah. um, so when I, I mean, I just, I think you're getting ready to ask something, but I, I, I can tell because I can see. Um, <laughs> just give me a minute. I can see Please you. Yeah. This is my podcast right now, man. Um, when, when I would go to cardiac arrest early on, just to go and observe to see what we were doing and how we were doing it, um, everybody can be better. And it wasn't certainly like I was flabbergasted or mad I just I sat back and unfortunately everyone that I went to nobody survived and the one thing that I noticed is we were preparing other things and the other things had nothing to do with touching the patient and I'm not saying we were we were totally negligent by any means but we just weren't on the chest um, as we needed to be and and so we had to change that really quick yeah interesting can we can we get this out of the way real quick because sure. this is this is going to come up no matter what all right. right. So I don't even need to say what this is. I'm just going to point to Kevin, and he's going to say... Rock Chalk. Rock Chalk. And what is Rock Chalk? Come on, let's go. Well, Rock Chalk is the motto for the University of Kansas. Um, some may know about this little university because we just won the Men's National Basketball Championship last year. It's pretty fresh in everybody's mind, and I, obviously it is yours because I didn't even really prompt it. So uh, <laughs> We were going to go there We would have made some, it. at some point. We so I made just, it there. All right, okay, so... so Men's National Basketball Champion. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. You guys are really cool. Hey, yeah. they've got really good volleyball, some decent baseball. You know, football's coming around. So, you know, it's essentially a Midwest powerhouse. Just there you go. That's, keeping it that's wonderful. Quiet. I, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> I can never get those 30 seconds back. No, but you'll, but you'll want to spend 30 seconds more. So... <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, but so so uh, Kevin, um, what? Uh, how did you come about? We didn't call it ACR back then, but uh, how did you come about cardiac survivability and this whole process? And you know, uh, you kind of gave us a story of why you wanted to do something different. But uh, how did you come about it? So when the years prior at the prior um, fire department that I was at, I'd been going to a conference, NAEMSP, the Medical Directors um, Program, and it was in San Diego. And a real rough time of year, January to go to San Diego. Yeah, from terrible. Kansas, yeah, from yeah. the Midwest. And um, I had talked to our physician about going, and he, of course, knew about it, but I don't think he'd ever been. And so we decided that we would go together. And as we went out there, um, you know, the we just met up with our vendor, and our vendor uh -huh. for our cardiac arrest, our cardiac monitor company, Zoll. And uh, we just had a good, nice um, conversation with them. And coincidentally, we had talked about that story, right? Like, oh, we laid this, these two pieces of paper down. It came back with cardiac arrest survivability. Mm -hmm. and, um, and at the time, the, the representative from Zoll 
had mentioned you all from Rialto. And, yeah. and I, it, it was funny because it clicked because on the plane ride there, I had read, read the last uh, printable gems magazine and it had the cover of, of, of you all on it. Uh-huh. And so I, I knew what it was because I just read, I mean, literally maybe the day or two before I'd read this article and I took it to heart, but I didn't really think about it. We're going to do that. It's not right, something right. that really crossed my mind. I maybe no offense to whoever wrote the article, but I may have even nodded off on the plane. I don't, I don't really remember. But <laughs> that, hurt, that hurts me deep inside. Yeah. <laughs> I think it did say author Joe Powell. But, but I just didn't think, like, I'm going to implement that. It wasn't really, I guess, my, my thought about that was our meal ticket. I just didn't, didn't cross my mind until it was brought up again. And so we said, well, if they're close to San Diego, let's meet them. And like, well, they're at another conference within the city. I think you guys were, were local at another maybe CPR conference or something that was that was close, but we were unable to meet in, in California. But I think, you know, immediately following, um, maybe within a week or two, we had a conversation with you and Chief Grayson, mm-hmm. and I think we talked every single week, if not more than one time a week with the group of us, four or five people, uh, representatives from Zoll maybe, and then, you know, Dr. Trent, you, Sean, uh, we just had five, six people on these conversations all the time. And as it progressed over a couple of weeks, we realized that we probably should be doing this. And so we scheduled some training for the end of March of 2018. And when we did that, I don't think right then we knew we were implementing it. I think we thought we were going to, or at least maybe we thought. Well, our fire chief had called your fire chief. Uh-huh. Our union reps had called your union yep. reps. Um, we had some side conversations with other people. And as we did that... I think it just kind of organically thought, wow, this is right. And so we had set a two-day mandatory training, which, of course, our firefighters love that. Oh, great, mandatory training. Like I've said a (laughs) hundred times, we've had had people trying to get out of this mandatory training by using the excuse they had vasectomies scheduled, they had to move. Like the two biggest things in the world that no guy really wants to do. Right, right. And uh, (laughs) and so um, as we we move towards that, those March dates, you guys came out. Uh, we had the education, and as we did that education, it was four hours in the morning of uh, the science and the story behind it. That's really where we started to see that that culture change. I hate to say culture, but you could see their minds working like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this, there's, there was naysayers from the get-go. I don't know that I ever thought I was a naysayer, but I did. I was skeptical, right? Like anybody's going to be. When you hear these numbers, you're just like, there's no way. It's not achievable. I think that's why we were kind of tiptoeing towards the – the future of like, are we going to do this? Are we not? And so we'd set a, a goal of starting May 1st and we had those two days in March and, um, they weren't, they went off really, really well. So, um, it, that was, well, that was what, four years ago or something. Yeah, so it was two th- March of 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, my, my memory's not great. I'm, I'm an old guy. Right. Uh, but did we not meet with, uh, with your champions first the night before? Is that correct? Or wouldn't we something did. like that? Yeah. I don't really know. even remember exactly how that happened. I think that I was, very paranoid that you two were going to come out and we were going to have enough people that were going to stifle the process during the day in the program that we felt like we needed to do something to kind of thwart that. And, yeah. and so we came up with, and, and what we call ACR still to this day, um, which was encouraged by you all, because at the time we, like, we were the first clone yeah. department and really didn't know what we were doing um, going forward with this whole thing. Now here we are with ACR, but when we did that, um, we decided that we would call our program CAPE, and it stands for Cardiac Arrest Protocol for Excellence, and you encourage that. Like, call it whatever you want. We don't care, and, and I think that's kind of what made us believe that you were doing this for the right reasons because 
there was some popularity, you know, going to Rialto. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and there was a magazine cover and there's some, you know, a little bit of celebrity status and, and which is totally fine. But at the time, I don't think anybody realized that was happening. And it was, but you were getting a lot of attention at the, at the conferences and having conversations on stage and, and really yeah, good, yeah. you know, really public forums with a lot of influential people and not a lot of people were complaining about it. And so I think that, that, that quick rise um, was really unseen by any of us. But as it was, we, we, I was still paranoid that our people were going to really be naysayers. And, and uh, I was, too, a little bit. You know, I was like, oh, I really just don't know. I don't want to have an egg on my face at the end of this. And, and so what we did is we created Cape Champions, and then the night before, those two days of education. Um, I think we had five or six folks that we strategically placed at every table right, right. to be able to stifle those conversations that were happening on the side that, People were saying, oh, this is not right. There's no way I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. No way we're going to do that. And so that those champions could really just say, hey, hold on a second. Here's why we're going to do that. Let's just give them a minute. And then we really, I mean, I could, I remember seeing some conversations from the folks that I suspected them from being from some, some of our veterans, some of the people right out of school that, that, you know, they were, had something ingrained in their head for either 30 years or the last two years or one year school, <laughs> you're like, these are going to be the hardest people to change and, and rightfully so. And, and so, you know, infiltrating those, um, uh, those tables with the Cape champions ended up making a, a huge difference because I do remember specifically several, several people that it really deterred them from really disrupting the, the, the process. Yeah. It's a, it's a difficult thing. You know, I, I've obviously, uh, I've been through the process, yeah. you know, in 2019, we implemented it and, um, you know, we did it a lot different than, than you did, but here's my question for you is how, how did you c- overcome, um, you know, that culture change other than having those champions? What, what else did you do to, you know, help, you know, build that trust and, you know, reassurance because we're, you, you changed everything, man. Yeah, it was, you know, changing a culture is certainly not, you know, when I, when I went through my interview process at LDCFM, my tagline was I was there to make EMS sexy again. And <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Did, you, did you sing a song? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, no. I didn't. Um, I, I thought maybe the city manager or the assistant city manager was going to fall out of her chair when I said it, but um, the fire chief and the medical director both gave me that, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Look, so I thought, well, at least... 66% of the room enjoyed that <laughs> comment. Um, but, you know, I don't know that I've ever done that by any means, but, you know, that was kind of my tagline. And I think what I was able to do is I was able to bring a little bit of my, um, I'll say foolishness to not really knowing the process of becoming, or how do you get ROSC, not get ROSC, but how do you measure ROSC and, and the whole measurement and the data side, because I'm not that guy. Um, to our fire department and be a little more transparent and let them in on the whole process. And yeah. we were really never um, secretive about anything. You know, we, we wanted our union, we encouraged our union to call your, your, well, Joe's union. And, and um, I hate to say union, but that's, you know, that's who drives our fire department. And, and that's, and it's great. So the, the people that needed to get the information to really know that we were doing the right thing um, called those people, our fire yeah, chief, yeah. we had people involved, our medical directors and, and the, the people that needed to drive this, this, culture change and it really was a culture change because you know if you think about it um you know i i'll tell you every day i think there are guys and gals are doing fire training and and it's the education on the ems side at the time was done by the training division and the training division was who told you when to do ems training 
But the change that I saw after we started seeing success with the program and, and, and saving more people was when I would just walk through one of the stations unannounced or um, dropping something off and I would hear somebody in, around the corner talking about EMS and I'm like, wait a minute, am I getting <laughs> punked? You know, like, who? What? And I walk around and they're doing a, a, a cape scenario, as well, you know, a cardiac arrest yeah. scenario yeah. on yeah. their own yeah. at the station by themselves walking through it coming up with their own ideas and so some of those some of those things you know like raising the head up 30 degrees um that's not something you just eyeball right and we talk about that and why it's important to have certain um degrees and and they were coming up with ways to do that without uh, a digital aid or you know without a, a, a tool to do that they were coming up with their own firefighter ingenuity you know it was it was it was cool to see without them even really knowing that I knew that yeah I know I know Joe and I talk about this a lot we, we had this conversation the other day about you know in the beginning how difficult it is and that middle part can be really messy but when you walk through the station and you see them doing that on their own it's just a beautiful beautiful thing to see yeah. you know and that and that's when you know that you got something right and it's it, it's just amazing yeah if you're able to and and certainly i'm not taking credit for this because it's our guys and gals that are doing it i'm just uh, overseeing this you know i guess i'm not the puppet master because nobody listens to me i don't you know but um <laughs> just, we listen to yeah, you i don't run nothing here but my mouth but the uh it's when you can take pride in something that you're doing, um, especially if it's a positive thing, your attitude shifts. And, and that's what they were doing. You know, um, coming right out of that, we had implemented the start date for May 1st of uh, 2018. And we had a few folks that were so excited about just implementing it. I don't know, May 28th, 29th, the day <laughs> after they got the, the training. day after training. Yeah, the yeah. day after training that we ended up having four cardiac arrest saves in one week. And, you know, when you're running. Say that again. Yeah. Four, yeah, four cardiac arrest saves in one day, in one week. Probably, I think it was like a six-day period. It was just, wow. it, it was unreal. That's incredible. It was, and, and you know, that really helped us get some buy-in. Um, I don't think that had ever been done before. I'd like to attribute it to ACR and, and the way that, that we had done some different business. Um, and, and that really helped us lift it off. We still did really implement it May 1st. And our reason for that was just we have – um, first responders in the county that we want to make sure that they had some knowledge and education on on what we were going to be doing because to have our folks in the county showing up and we're doing something totally different you know we're like you gonna stand this guy up and dance with them next like what's going on <laughs> yeah, here what, like, what is this going raising, on yeah, where is this guy <laughs> coming off the cot oh, exactly so we needed to do some education so we had to pump the brakes a little bit but uh we we moved forward pretty quick yeah, I always, I always call it uh, weekend at Bernie's, right? You know, yeah. <clears throat> you yeah. got the guy, you know, on a gurney sitting up with the, you know, a rescue pod and a nasal cannula hanging off and this thing's pushing on their chest. And then, you know, like, well, what is going on here? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, and, you know, speaking of that too, some of the tools that we have, we had all of those before my arrival. Uh-huh. And um, we just had to dust a couple of them off the shelf and just really retrain on how to do things better. And so that education not only helped us start a new cardiac arrest protocol, but it helped us fine tune our skills with the tools that we had. You know, we, we'd been using the auto pulse, but I don't know that we'd been using it to its full potential. Yeah, right. We had been, um, take loading people right up and, and take them to the hospital and not staying and, and executing. And, um, we just weren't very surgical with the way that we did our, 
our cardiac arrest. And I keep using that term. Like, I think we're just in a totally different spot. I mean, we, we have to be, we've got some really, really, really awesome, um, can't cuss. So I, I'm just going to say really, <laughs> just some really good folks. Um, I can't even say it. Like, our firefighters. <laughs> Can you not make a yeah. sentence without without a cuss word? Well, it's tough. It's tough. Um, <laughs> She's freaking. Yeah, we have some. We have some studs. Um, there you go. Both, okay. Yeah, both men and women on our fire department that can break stuff, and um, and I think that when we go into cardiac arrest and we say we're going to jump up and down on this person until we get them back, I mean we're literally, you know, we're sweating at the end of these things, and it is a workout, and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that's another thing I was going to do when I first got there. I thought, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it a mandatory, everybody does two minutes of CPR in the morning before they start their shift. I never, never tried it. I never tried it. But I thought, you know, look at the triceps on the LDCFM. They're so, <laughs> so anyway. Um, but <laughs> I think we're going a whole yeah, different direction. Yeah, yeah. But this, is a total, this is a workout show now. Um, I, I just truly um, believe that the way that we went from doing cardiac arrest to now is just, it's just got to be surgical and we have to be very, very, um, active and paying attention to what we're doing and the timeliness and the effectiveness and the execution just has to be perfect. And if we're not, then those are probably not, not going to have a great outcome. So you did this over two days? We did the training over two days. Yeah, you, had to, you either had to go on Wednesday or you had to go on Thursday. And it was mandatory? Mandatory. And you paid overtime? We paid overtime. We had good snacks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's always good important. Snacks, good snacks. Good looking instructors. That's uh, right. Yeah. Did and you did you have any obstacles because you you did it that way, or what was the benefit? What were some some neg neg? I, I don't want to say negative, but what were some hurdles that you had to get over doing it that way? Well, the logistically, I think we wanted to do it that way because Joe wasn't even supposed to come. Joe, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. uh, their QAQI coordinator had a medical emergency with this with this boy. Yep, yep. And so you kind of got thrown into this. And so, um, but we, regardless of that, we we wanted to be mindful of the instructor's time, and so we we were able to dedicate two days to that. We did it in a hotel ballroom, so the number of people was probably too many. Um, Probably too many. Um, I've got some pictures that are. I, I had to take panoramic style just to be able to get the seventy-five <laughs> people in each day, and um, so logistically, I think just if you could have a little more time over a couple of days, maybe mm-hmm. maybe thin it out to half. And um, you know, the time spent though, I, I really was scared about eight hours um, sitting firefighters down. Anybody in law enforcement, EMS, or police, uh, law enforcement, fire, EMS they don't want to sit somewhere for eight hours unless they're really going to get some, I don't even know. I think it needs to be action, action packed. And I do think the afternoon was, was the break that they needed. Right. Um, right. But the education was good, but it's tough. And, and so I, I don't know that we, I would do it any different on the timeline. Um, I think you need to get them, you need to get the education done in one day and not talk about it and come back another day. Right. It would have just been nicer if we could have maybe done it over a week, like five days. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. Sure. I think we've done some of those now, now, you know, some of those five day implementations, right. That, uh, and with a smaller group, right. A little more focused group, but it's arduous for the instructor, but we've gotten pretty good at that. You know, like it's, it's a little bit, uh, uh, it's just, it's part of it. And, and it's, you know, it's the work that we continue to do and, and, uh, 
being able to go and talk for eight hours to a group of people that want to be there is, is definitely motivating for the person that's standing up there. And right. it's tough when it's not. Yeah, yeah. So you, you implement this, you go through a year. What did that year look like? Yeah, so the remaining part of 2018, <clears throat> like I said, we started at 36% ROSC with a 4% survivability. And we, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry, um, <laughs> I'm getting choked up about this already. So um, we had went from 36 to 62%. Um, the end of the year of 2018 was 62% ROSC, and we had sent, um, well, we were at 18% um, survivability. That's incredible. So we, you know, sent a good chunk of people home, and the years following, we still had success, but unfortunately, we ran into COVID. Yeah. And although the numbers increased um, and our opportunities increased, our numbers didn't go down that much. Um, we were still in the 15s um, for survivability. Our ROSC was in the high, well, maybe low 50s. So we, we still maintain. I think there was a year in there that we might have been in the 40s for yeah. ROSC, yeah. but um, I'm certainly happy with that, right? Like, it's, I'm not... Obviously, everybody wants 90% ROSC, but you know, we keep talking about ROSC, and ROSC to me, um, it's just a, a measuring tool for the neighbor. <laughs> I knew this was coming yeah, out. I know, and I can't say it exactly how I say it around my buddies, but um, <laughs> I, it just, I, I appreciate ROSC, and you can't have survivability without it, but you, you, there's people that can have or ROSC that's super low and still have good survivability. So it's, uh, it's really become a survivability thing. We have conversations at the administration level, uh, we're an accredited agency, so um, we have these conversations with city managers and ICMA groups, and and they ask the question of what, how did you what in what rhythm did you deliver to the patient to the hospital, and that's not the question that we should be answering. It's, right. it's the survivability question. Is like what was your survivability, and I'm trying to get that changed. I really have tried my my darndest within our community, and so I keep answering that way. I don't answer the Rosk way. I answer with survivability and our administration chief who oversees those he just gets frustrated with me <laughs> like please man just answer the question just like what's the what's the cares number like just give me a number um that is not survivability so. yeah i think uh yeah well, i think we've spent you know a good 40 years you know maybe i have not you guys but you know in the in the business trying to get hearts back yeah. right and because i'm not that sharp it took me you know you know, close to that 40 years to figure out that we got to get brains back, not hearts back. Right. Yeah. Yep. So neurologically intact survivability, that's what you're talking about. Right. When you're talking about survivability. Yeah. We want to be able to, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's funny too, because when you guys came, you said, well, we would call Mr. Smith or Mrs. Jones and say, Hey, how are you? And if you're talking to Mr. Smith or Mrs. Jones, you know that they've got a CPC score of one or two, yeah, right? Yeah. Like for the most part. <laughs> for the most part, um, yeah. I think that, you know, in my 26 years of working in the fire service, I've probably worked with a few CPC scores of three. Yeah. So <laughs> if I can talk to Me someone. before coffee. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and one other thing, too, and eh, real quick is there were four or five people that didn't make the training. And right. I was okay with that because I knew that we were going to get them. Uh, we were going to get them in the in the end, and they were just not going to get paid for it, right? So, you're right. so I'm, you're going to have to sit through this training. And uh, one of the naysayers, the biggest naysayer of them all, um, we were doing training. And like firefighters and, um, you know, public servants do, we don't, we're adult learners. I shouldn't just blame it on our industry, but adult, le adult learners really have a lot of side conversations during other people's conversations. Right. One of the frustrating things as an instructor. But... I was listening. I was eavesdropping on, on one of the guys who had missed the training over in the corner having this conversation with another guy. And I'm, I was getting so mad. I was about ready to light him up and publicly light him <laughs> up. 
Um, you know, here he is, got out of training once. His crew's doing work that they've already done. He, they're there to help him out. Right. And he's over having this conversation. Right as I was getting ready to light him up, I just tur- I really turned my ears on and I was like listening to what he's going to say because I was probably going to use it in the in the light up, and uh, I heard what he said and I just like I I got tears I truly did and what he was talking about is how he had been doing it wrong for so long, and it was that that realization that he had messed up and yeah, and it yeah. really wasn't his fault and I, I think he was blaming it on himself but we just didn't know better, but what he had said was is one of our former. Uh, employees had retired several years before him and that employee were friends that employee got cancer and um, I don't really know the story because it was before my time and I don't know if he retired with cancer or just got cancer after he retired but when he was sick um, he had a cardiac arrest event at his house and um, the guy had responded to his house Uh on duty to his buddy's house cardiac arrest they said they worked him for like 11 12 13 minutes and then they just said let's call it and uh, I think that's probably one of his biggest regrets. And then from going from one of the biggest naysayers, he went to one of the biggest champions. Yeah. Um, and and it was it was great that that happened because I think that was a little bit of his penance. And, and Terry talks about that a lot, this being his penance. I think it's really kind of all of our penance. Or it's yeah. at least a way to say, you know, we've done this. You know, we've done we've played this game for way too long and, and we've been just doing it wrong. And, and uh, we I think we're rewriting the directions. And I think that's the, you know, the, the, the avenue and the the way that we're going to get there to get better. And essentially we want to meet, reach that moonshot, right? Right. Right. Moonshot, moonshot 2030. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, I, I applaud you for the courage and your leadership to do this. Uh, it's, it's scary stuff to go, go through that. Um, so what would you, what, what advice would you give other leaders in their departments or EMS agencies you know, to, to really look at this? What advice? Well, we all know that we have good people and, um, and there's going to be some folks that want to, you know, really not take something forward, but there's far more people that want to do good. Yeah. Yep. And we have to, we have to pounce on that. And so, um, you know, sometimes you've got to make people feel like it's their idea and um, having, having a smaller group of people that really want to make a difference is good and have that on your side but with the agencies, regardless of the size and really regardless of where what your makeup is or your fabric of where you're coming from, whether you're rural or suburban, um, I think you really need to just say, we're going to do something. And there's something within our protocol that somebody else can change, that they can make better um, and within their own organization. And, you know, with this group and this board and this consortium and everybody that's within it now that we have so many agencies of, of like size um, and then people that are just totally... Um, different than everybody mm-hmm. that are doing really good stuff. I think that we just need to know that there's a lot of people out there that want to tell their story and that want to help and have a conversation every week for a month or two before you can get them out of have education. And for the most part, we've really kept this at no cost to the agencies correct, for now correct, and, yeah. and, and tell something really needs to change. We're able to go almost everywhere or anywhere and take a really good group of people with us and um, have that education. And um, there's folks that are wanting to do something tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Um, if we can get there that quick, then we will. But I would just say that anybody who wants to do something, just there's so many people within this consortium now that are really probably closer than you think. And we can get in contact with them and, and having that conversation. And I think the being real with yourself um, and being uh, and just admitting we don't know what ROSC is. We don't know what survivability is. <laughs> right, right. We don't know what those numbers are or we do know what those numbers are. And we're just really embarrassed about it. 
uh, there, there's far more people that don't know that yeah. than do. Yeah. Um, we know that um, for sure because we don't have all the numbers. So if we had all the numbers, we would know, and, and we don't because they don't. You know, right? So, yeah, so well, you yeah. don't know what you don't know. Yeah, what's our and what's our ACR motto? Better tomorrow. Better, better tomorrow, tomorrow, right? So let's just be better tomorrow. Yeah. I find myself typing that on a lot of things. You know, <laughs> I really do, and uh, some people don't have a clue, but it's great. Well, Kevin, um, it's been a pleasure talking with you this morning, and you're doing great work. Uh, you're definitely an inspiration to other fire departments and EMS agencies, and you know, uh, you're definitely an inspiration. You you were to to me, and you still are. So uh, I appreciate everything that you're doing. Uh, and likewise, you know, we wouldn't be doing this. We, this group really does. We care, and yeah. uh, and I think that's really the motivation behind it. We we joke a lot. Um, within this group, um, I'm usually the butt of said joke, and that's fine. Um, that's, that's appropriate. Yeah, if I have to carry you all with being the butt, then that's fine. <laughs> but it's uh, it's been great. The pleasure's all mine, and appreciate all of you guys. Yeah, fantastic. thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Thank you for being here, sir. Right. Thank you. All right, boys. This podcast and its postings are for general informational purposes only, and do not constitute the practice of medicine medical direction, medical oversight, or medical advice. No doctor-patient or doctor-healthcare provider relationship is formed. This podcast and advanced cardiac resuscitation are not a substitute for any local, state, or federal policies, protocols, or treatment guidelines. The views and opinions of the hosts and the guests of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view or policy of advanced cardiac resuscitation, its officers, members, or member agencies. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by advanced cardiac resuscitation. Thank you for listening to ACR Moonshot, the Advanced Cardiac Resuscitation Podcast.